Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus. We thank you, God, for his sacrifice. We thank you for the eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, and the regeneration that's found in him. We thank you, God, for the promises of of heaven, of your kingdom to come, of a new resurrected body. We thank you so much, God, for, for all that we have in store now and forever in Christ Jesus. We are so grateful, and it's because of him and your spirit living in us that we're all gathered here this morning. If it weren't for you, Lord Jesus, we wouldn't all be in this place together this morning to worship you and to hear from your word and to fellowship with one another. But because of you, you've, you've put together all our paths to, to be here today. So we thank you, God. We ask that your spirit would just be powerfully among us this morning. We ask that you'd change hearts, that you'd encourage us, that you'd challenge us. Uh, and we ask that your will would be done in, in every area of service this morning. We love you, Father. We praise you. We honor you. And we, we pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.
Seaport early this morning driving to the driving to the church a song similar to this one came on and about the name of Jesus the name that is above every name the name to which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the only mediator between God and man the only one the only one so moving I almost had to pull off Take a moment before we do anything, and let's just give the give the Lord glory and honor and thanksgiving and praise. Can we do, lift up your voice? Come on. We just say thank you for the immensity of your goodness. Your amazing kindness and grace poured out upon us. We never found you. You found us. We just simply say thank you. Thank you for your gift of salvation full and free. Thank you for allowing Jesus to bear the penalty for our sin that we might have life to the fullest. Thank you, Lord. In him alone be glory. Hallelujah. I've asked Chaplain Maxwell Abishai who spoke so effectively here last Sunday. Grab one of these little every month we change and Chris puts this together for us. We pray for one of our submarines on the waterfront. Today we're changing. It's the first Sunday of the month, and so we're praying for the USS California. Maxwell. Let us bow hearts in prayers. Ancient of days, the lily of the valley, the rock upon which we stand to have our being and our existence. We thank you this morning. We thank you, O God, for the safe return of USS California and its crew. God bless their reunion with families, with joy, gratitude, and peace. Bring healing and restoration, O God, to the crew as they adjust back to home life, comforting all who have faced hardship. Lord Jesus, help the crew and their families navigate the changes with grace. Provide for the crew and their families in all areas and surround them with continual support. We also pray for the leadership of U.S. California. The Lord of God, you will continue to guide them in their future endeavors. Bless their handwork, O oh God. Give them wisdom, strength, knowledge, O oh God, to lead as they are supposed to be, Father. And above all, may don't never, O oh God, lose sight of you. And let your presence, O oh God, manifest among them. We thank you this morning for your presence in our life as a church. We thank you, O oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you, chaps, as he's called. Amen. God bless you guys. You may be seated. Thank you, worship band. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Bree and Katie, and I'm going to ask Rolando, Nathaniel, Melissa, and Andy if they're here. Come on and stand up here next to me if you would do that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Is Andy going to be able to join us? Or is he? He's teaching? Okay. He's teaching today. All right. Amen. Not, not tonight, but, you know, next Sunday night. Uh, we're doing this because there's a lot happening right now, and you'll see kind of why we're doing this. But, um, but uh, we're sending uh, Nathaniel and, and Katie, and we're sending Rolando and Bree, and we're sending Andy and Melissa, because these guys all oversee our Next Generation Ministries, youth, children, and young adults, Okay. <laughs> And so because of your generosity, your faithfulness, your ties, because of that, we're able to send them to Orlando, Florida, for several days of training at a National Assemblies of God conference. And so they'll be flying down there, staying down there for a few days and flying, flying back. And, uh, you know, they're taking time off from work and all that sort of thing. But because of your faithfulness, we're able to fly them down there, you know, pay for, pay for their expenses, get them the training, they'll come back and just see these ministries continue to flourish. Isn't that great? So, first of all, thank you so much for, for uh, just being faithful in your giving. Let's take a moment right now and pray with me as they go down there. Um, you know, many times conferences are like fire hoses. There's so much to take in, you can't get it all. But let's just pray that as they go down there, God will not only keep them safe, you know, keep them safe and get them down back. It'll be a great time. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun, but a lot of learning. Amen? So just pray, just pray with me about this together right now. Come on. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thanks for the generosity and the faithfulness of your people that were able to send all of them down there, God, for this conference. And God, we know that the learning that they gain is going to make this place stronger, healthier, better. Lord, we're positioning ourselves so that you can do all that you want to do here. This is part of it. And so we say, God, just help them to learn. Help them to gain the insights, the, the encouragement, the, the resources, the things that are necessary for them to be. And just got a next level effective, more effective in, in what you're calling them to do and be here. God, just empower all six of them. Give them a great time together. May they, be, may they travel there safely next Sunday night and back. And God, may they come back just having learned so much that God can be poured back into this place. So we trust you and we thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, friends. Amen. Amen. Excited. I wish I was going to Orlando. But you know, anyway, you know, anyway, you guys go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah. Even though the two of you are wearing Detroit shirts. Okay, whatever. Oh, I don't know what to make of that, but whatever, okay. It is very hard to believe, it's very hard to believe that um, on the 26th of this month, Seaport Community Church will officially be 35 years of age. It's hard to believe that, you know. So every month we've been showing you a little little videos. Lindsay has put those, been putting those together. It happens to be her birthday today, as a matter of fact. And uh, so happy birthday. And... Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's it. And so she's been putting together these little videos about, about two or three minutes. This one's about eight minutes. 
And you're, some of you are going to see some things you have never seen in the history of Seaport Community Church. So let's take a, about eight minutes. So let's take a look. Let's watch. Those people are. We don't know who they are. They're just some random strangers. service. The thing that I was afraid of that would happen did happen, and that was no one was there to open up the school for us to set up uh, in that very first service, and so we had to get the cops to come down and unlock the building. I think one of the things I remember most was uh, a gal that we, that we reached out to, Edna, and she was 80-something when she started coming to the church, which was kind of unusual for a very young church, because I was only 32, and she was in her 80s. And when I baptized her, she, for some reason, didn't get the memo that she was going to be completely immersed. She got quite mad at me when I immersed her. <laughs> so I remember that.
that's the first time I've seen that. I don't, I just, I, I prefer to see it like you see it. And uh, all kinds of memories there. Joe Walker was uh, the first, I think, the first sailor we baptized here. And uh, anyway, and that, that was an interesting story for sure. And then, you know, now that last, one of those last video cuts of Caleb, who, who now is heard on Caleb frequently as Caleb and John uh, from this church. And uh, so it's just, it's been an amazing ride. It's been an amazing ride. And guess what? The best is yet to come. It really is. It really is. I've seen the future of this church. And what's as amazing as the past has been, the future is far beyond it. And so I, hallelujah. You know, I'm going to take a moment here before we do the next thing here. And I, and I want us to pray that we'll just step in fully. Just take another one. Just stand up. You won't be standing very long. Just stand up with me. And let's pray that the seaport's able to step into everything that God has for us. Amen? You'll hear more about that in the message. But there's such amazing things yet ahead for this church. The Lord has revealed them to me. And uh, I'm excited about them. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Thank you. That video hardly touches the surface of all that's been done, the impact that's been made over these 35 years. And I'm grateful for all you've done. Thank you. Thank you. But Lord, help us as a church to be ready to step up into the next season that you have for us. Great and amazing days are yet ahead. God, greater, more amazing than we've ever seen in the past are ahead. And God, may we be ready to embrace it and step forward into it. And may we be a people that are ready to receive it and step forward. So we trust you, Father, and we thank you. God, as I think about the theme, Unstoppable, it looked like this church was going to be stopped many times, but it wasn't. Your spirit empowered and enabled us to keep going. And we say thank you. Take a moment. Just simply say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you guys as you're seated. There's lots more that we'll share with you. But uh, right now, Chris, come on. Well, good morning, everybody. Who knows what videos you might be in later on. Anyway, welcome to church this morning. I'm Pastor Chris. Hey, you know, we just love to welcome you around here, and we do that around here by honoring you, and we do that by clapping for you. So if it's your first time here, welcome. But of course, we don't want to just welcome you. We don't want to just clap for you. We're a family. We want to truly connect with you, and the easiest way for you to do that is for you to text the word welcome to the number that comes up on the screen. A small link will come back to you. It just takes a few seconds to fill it out. And then once you do, just like that, shabam, we are connected. We're also available on Facebook, on Instagram, or if you just want to email the office staff, it's office at seaportcommunitychurch.org. And of course, we have all kinds of awesome opportunities, but in order for you to know about those opportunities, you really need to click that seat back in front of you because there's a QR code and it'll take you to a landing page so you can get our Church Center app so that you know all these opportunities that we have. And if you haven't figured this out yet, we are a praying church. Prayer changes everything. So make sure you guys are joining us for one of these awesome prayer meetings. It doesn't matter if you're a morning person or a night person or if you want to be online or in person. There's all kinds of opportunities. So please join us for one of those. Uh, this Tuesday, the men are going to be meeting here for our men's, mini- our, our men's ministry. 
called Accelerate. And then on Wednesday, our growth track continues. So if you haven't been a part of that, make sure you guys join us for that. There's all kinds of opportunities. Make sure you join us for that. There are still two seats left for this awesome trip to go see Daniel down in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. If you guys don't know about it, it's an awesome trip. If you've been to a Broadway show, this, this makes this it's just amazing. If you haven't been, it's an awesome thing. Make sure you guys join us for that. So again, two seats left. So sign up for that. And men, it's a month away. It's March already. April is next month. Men's Encounter is coming up. If you've never been to Encounter, if you've never had an encounter with God, this is a 48-hour weekend retreat. But it's not just a retreat. It is an encounter with God. It's like two years of church packed into one weekend for you to encounter God. So make sure you guys sign up for that. And then women, make sure you guys are saving the date because the women's encounter is coming up in October. So mark your calendars. Next up, we got Pastor Brad. Amen. Amen. I like, I like to put it like this. Encounter, thanks everybody. I like to put it like this. Encounter will do as much in 48 hours as going to church faithfully for two years will do. That's how powerful that thing is. It's just amazing. I already have a good group signed up, so don't miss this opportunity. Okay? Let's, uh, let's honor the Lord with our giving. You know, some of you have been reading through the little book, The Treasure Principle with me, and um, chapter 5 is, uh, is about, you know, how the giving helps free us from materialism. We live in such a materialistic culture. It help, when we give, it helps to free us from the bondage of thinking life is all about stuff. Amen? And so that's... that's that's one of the reasons why we give. It keeps our focus upon the Lord who's our provider, the one who gives us power to gain wealth and keeps our eyes off of us and upon all the material things of this, of this life. It's been, uh, been a challenging start to the year budget-wise. Uh, I'm trusting God that we're going to catch up and exceed that. Amen? And uh, let's trust God. Guess, guess how we're going to catch that up? We're going to catch it up by you being faithful, and I'm praying for your blessing and prosperity. How about that? Let's trust God together. Amen? For that, hallelujah. The Lord told me to put this out in front of you every week. I don't like doing it, but he told me to do it, so I'm doing it. Okay, so there it is. And um, anyway, so just uh, um, there, are, there are ways to give, and you'll see that on the screen. Lots of ways to give. You can give uh, out there at the little giving boxes through an envelope. You can go online. There's a couple of different options on the screen about online. Through the app is the best way, generally speaking. But thank you. Let me just pray, and then uh, I'm going to release the youth, and we'll jump into the word. Father, thank you for the, just the faithfulness of your people. Thank you for, God, they, they tithe, they give offerings, they support missions. Such a, and God, I'm so grateful for their generosity. I'm so grateful for their faithfulness. I'm grateful for that. And Lord, uh, I, we know as we give, it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down and flowing over and over. We know that. And so, Lord, I look with anticipation to that promise being fulfilled in the lives of the people of Seaport, like you intend. You intend to do this. And I, so I thank you for that. God, may everything that's received bring glory to you and extend your kingdom. Thanks, Father. Amen, friends. Amen. Just before I let the youth go, I, I would be remiss if I didn't recognize Gil Banton, one of our supportive missionaries who's just visiting. Gil, stand up. Come on. There's Gil right there. Woo! You know what? Come up here quick. Come on, run up here quick. 
Okay, he's just visiting today. He's not doing a, a presentation. The youth are going out. Okay, and if you're a teenager and you want to go out with our youth, go out the door and to the right. And uh, they're, they're, they've got a class that's going on there now. Grab that microphone. So, Gil, we've supported Gil for a long time, a number of years, seven, eight, nine years, I guess, now. And uh, Gil and, and his wife, Lindsay, they're just, he, the, Gil's just visiting with us today. Uh, he's at UConn Stores. Just give us a, I know, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but you're a missionary, so you're used to it. So, I'm also used to you, so Yeah, you're that. used to me, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm his presbyter, too, so. The king of curveballs. So, yeah, also the curveballs. Yeah, I will do that. You want you know? a quick update or what? I do. I want a quick update on yeah, what's happening so, at UConn stores. So, guys, seriously, thank you. You guys have been with us even longer than you've been supporting us. You've been with us in prayer. You're a praying church, and we are just so thankful. We have two really um, strong small groups going right now, men's and women's. Um, we've been ministering to some Muslim students and some um, atheist students, and it's just going really, really well. Um, and so <clears throat> all those things are doing really, really great, um, and they're I would just say this about the students of the state of Connecticut and University of Connecticut. It's real simple. They're very, very spiritual, but most of them don't want Jesus. So as you pray, pray that God's just encountering power of the Holy Spirit will go through them. Because um, they're very, very open, but they're, just, they're hesitant to say yes to actually following. So we have lots of incredible conversations with people, but um, they're not always saying yes yet. But God's word never returns void. So those, that's kind of, that's the short, that's what's going on. And we're just so thankful for Seaport. And we're so thankful to be here. My wife, my wife is not here because my daughter, I am now on the other side. I'm sending a kid off to college. So she's uh, auditioning right now at a university. And so uh, my wife's not with me, but my daughter, Addison is with me. My son, Ben, uh, he's probably causing havoc uh, for Jason. So sorry, but that's it. Let's, let's, pray, let's pray for Gil and Lindsay, okay? Yeah, let's, let's pray. UConn, uh, you know, 25,000 students, approximately 130, 150, 100 different metrics of, camp, of co- countries represented in the student body. And uh, so for years we prayed that God would send someone to that campus, and he did, sent Gil and Lindsay, and now their team has expanded. They also have Brad and Cassie and Jay. And so let's just join with me as we pray. Lord, thank you. It's not been an easy ride. I've had a firsthand look at it. And Lord, it's not been an easy ride for for Gil and for Lindsay and that whole team. But Lord, they're faithful. They're there. And I pray that they would have even greater effectiveness and greater fruitfulness. And the doors of ministry would open and hearts would open. And and that, God, that there would be a cascading effect of people coming to faith in Christ. We trust you for that. God, may they not lean to their own understanding, but in all their ways, may they acknowledge you and you direct their paths. God, maybe even into ways and strategies and things that maybe they haven't considered before, if necessary. Whatever, God, just take the work of their hands and make it wonderfully effective. Lord, whether we see some big result or whether it's God in the future, whatever it might be, God, use him. God, I'm, I'm thankful for Gil. I'm thankful for Lindsay and their incredible faithfulness, God, over some really challenging semesters. So encourage them and strengthen them and help us to be faithful to pray for them, Lord. Amen. 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 I appreciate and respect you.
Hallelujah. Good to have you here, Gil. Just about every Wednesday morning, Matt keeps us on track. He has a schedule, and we pray through our and, and na- call out the names of our missionaries. So take three or four missionaries, and Gil, you and Lindsay have come up many times in that rotation. We and every time you guys go up, I say, "Let me pray for them. Let me pray for them." And so, Hallelujah. All right, you ready to jump into the Word here a little bit this morning? Yeah, let's do it. Come on now. So, what would happen if Seaport began to grow? rapidly, how do you think that would impact you? As we walk through the book of Acts, as we walk through the book of Acts in in this series we're calling Unstoppable, the church is growing exponentially. It's amazing what's happening. And it isn't very long before problems, internal and external, begin to rise, and some of them are pretty intense. I mean, today, we're going to look at one that they face that is so, it, 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 is, it is so strategic that if they didn't handle it properly, the church could divide and even stop. Could even stop. You know, they had already faced all kinds of external difficulties with the religious powers that be. And even last week, Maxwell told us a little bit about what happened there at the end of chapter five, you know, and and with the religious authorities and how that God supernaturally delivered them and empowered them and helped them keep going, you know, but I mean, they had their hands full. Not only was there huge numbers of people coming, but there was a large number of people who came with great need. And thus the church was trying to respond to physical needs as well. And I mean, they're continually bumping into the religious establishment who was bent on trying to shut them down and stop them. And I mean, and then, and then there's a guy and his wife that had conspired to use their resources to buy influence and clout. And Adam talked to you about Ananias and Sapphira and how that all turned out, you know. It's interesting in this, in this, in this series called Unstoppable, these guys just keep going. They respond to every situation. You notice that they respond to every situation with prayer. And, and they give a solution and they keep going. You know, one of the things I discovered a long time ago is this. I discovered this a long time ago. That there's a difference between the person who rises and the person who falls. And it's simply this. In many cases, the person who rises approaches every difficulty and every challenge with there is a way. I just have to find it. I cannot tell you the number of times when I've been stuck and I've had to say, Lord, there's a way. Help me find it. And he has. He has. And that's what these guys seem to be wired in, what they were doing. I mean, Peter and, and, and uh, John, I mean, they appear to live this attitude out as they're facing internal and external problems. I mean, difficulty after difficulty. I mean, explosive growth with bold, radical, in-your-face kind of preaching. My gosh, miraculous and dramatic healings, all kinds of things that are happening that you would think the religious leaders would be excited about, but they're just the opposite. They're angry because it's eroding their power and displaying their hypocrisy and their spiritual weakness. They didn't like that. And of course, you know, two weeks ago, Adam took us in again to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You know, we saw, we saw that whole thing and this internal problem that threatened the movement. 
you know, with wealthy people, do you know? I mean, I could kind of relate to that to some degree. In the early days of Seaport, a, a fairly affluent man came into the church. And he quickly, and he quickly gained respect. He quickly gained uh, a kind of a, uh, you know, he, he got involved and he was kind of in front of things. And, and he was very, uh, very generous in his giving. And so, so one day he came to me. He sat in my office. And he explained the situation that he was in and how that he wanted me to side with him against this other person. And I'm like, oh, man. He would go on to say this. He say, if you don't side with me, I'm going to leave the church. Now, Seaport was not in a great place financially, and so it really needed his finances. He was a very large giver. I don't remember anything he said after that. I'll tell you why. <laughs> this had never happened to me before, and it's only happened once or twice afterwards. This was a lot of years ago now. As I was talking to him, suddenly a word appeared over his head in the spirit. Only I could see it. I didn't hear what he had to say. All I could do was see this word over his head. Bold to me, invisible to anybody else. And the word was manipulator. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And he was true to his word. He left the church, took all his money with him. I said, well, Lord, it's your church. Next year, we had our best financial year ever without him. You see, it's important to understand something. Very, very important to understand something. Whether you as a person or as a church, and I can tell you a lot of, about a lot of testing times through this church where God tested this church to see if we were really meant business and if we were able to handle the power and responsibility of blessing. You see, tests are often used by God to see if he can trust a person or a church with greater things. You know that, right? God is continually, he already knows, but he's testing your heart to see if you're going to be obedient to him and do what he asks so that he can bless you. You know, giving, tithing, all those kinds of things, those are tests to see if he can trust us with greater blessing. That's what those are. You know, and, the, and, and so many other things, tough obedience issues. Will you, are you willing to do this even though it's difficult so I can increase the, your influence and increase the blessing on your life? These guys passed it every single, single time. They were never bought off. They were never forced out. They were never you know, dissuaded, you know. And they faced these tests continually and the church kept moving. So much so at the end of chapter 5, where Maxwell took us into last, last week, I love how Peter, what he says there. Now, notice something. The officials didn't really understand fully what had happened. They had gotten Peter and John. They had put him in prison. They had locked the door. They had posted guards. And suddenly, and then, then they go and they send for Peter and John. They say, look, bring those guys into the Sanhedrin because we're going to interrogate them. We're going to talk to them. We're going to stop this nonsense. And they send for Peter and John, and, they, and the guards are standing there. The door's locked, but Peter and John are not in the cell. And I said, they didn't know what to make of that. And then the word comes that those guys are back in the temple preaching Jesus. And they're like, what in the world? What in the world? 
And then, of course, they get a hold of Peter and John. And I love Peter's response. We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised. Now, here's Peter. He doesn't mince any words. He's not studied how to be politically correct. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor, his right hand, as the prince and savior. He did this so that the people of Israel would repent of their sins. And by the way, if you're not a Christian and you've never come to faith in Christ, you have to repent of your sins and ask Christ to come in and forgive you and give you new life. Okay? That's, that's, you've got to start that way. There's no other way to start. And be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to receive that, too. Okay, so anyway. So at the end of chapter 5, these guys don't stop preaching. They just continue to go out, even though it says they had them flogged. Stop preaching. We're going to flog you. Now, knock this off. They just would not quit, these dudes, and just kept going. You know, it's probably evident to you by now why this series is called Unstoppable. Whether it was internal or external problems, they found a way and they kept going. They kept going. So as chapter 6 opens, as chapter 6 opens, Luke, the man who is the doctor, the historian, who's been commissioned by this person or the group Theophilus by name, to write a story of Jesus and then what happens as a result through his men, Commission paid money to do this, to research this, and create this. He, and then he lays this whole thing out we call the Book of Acts, which is the telling of the first 30 years of the early church. He lays all of that out. Luke takes us into what we call chapter 6, and wouldn't you know, here we go, one more problem. If you're going to be in church, you're going to have problems. There's no such thing as a church that never has problems. If you got that, it's going to have problems. I like to tell people, you know what? If you're looking for the perfect church, as soon as you walked in the door, you wrecked it. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. You see, the, I tell people the biggest problem this church has, it has an imperfect pastor at the helm. But we're following Jesus, right? Yeah, come on. We're following Jesus. Anyway, so we're in chapter 6. And this is a serious problem, more serious than what you might hear by casual reading. I'm going to read what happens in chapter 6. And I want you to try to hear it through the ears, through, through your own contemporary setting and issue and, and verbiage. Listen to this. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Again, that's not new in the church. Okay, here we go. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Remember chapter 2 and chapter 4? People brought money in. uh, They sold property. It was given to the the apostles, uh, you know, to care for other people. That's what we're talking about here. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers... Okay, they said, we apostles could spend all of our time teaching the word of God, need to spend all of our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. We, then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked the idea. I, I think that might have been the first time it ever happened in the church. Everyone liked that idea. 
And they chose the following, Stephen, a man full of, the, full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parthenus, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier con- convert to the Jewish faith. Those names are significant, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Here's a little bit of the backstory. The church is exploding. The word gets out that it's got a feeding program and people are coming. Some are Christians, probably some are not. In Jerusalem at this time, it's very similar to sometimes to our own cities. There were a lot of widows that had moved into Jerusalem because they would have easier access to help and supplies. Because remember, widows at that time did not have the social uh, safety net and the agencies and the support uh, that, of course, widows and people in need today have in our culture, in in our society. Okay? I mean... Typically, when a man died, unless he was a, a man of means, and most were not at that time, he would, he would leave a widow. Sometimes they were young, sometimes they were older women. They would often have no means of support except for whatever she could kind of cobble together, what their family would do, and just do-gooders might do. They had almost nothing. They were dropped right into sudden and hard poverty. And so they were drawn to the church, obviously, this feeding program, Okay, so they're, they're coming to this, but there are two different groups. There are, they're all Jews, but you've got the Hebrew-speaking Jews who most likely had lived there for a while. Then you've got Greek-speaking Jews. They may have come in for a festival and just stayed. They may have been, uh, they may have been widows who just moved in from uh, another, you know, another country or another part of the world and come in there because this is home they're among family. Uh, they don't have anybody. They came back and they spoke Greek. So they're all Jews, but some spoke Hebrew and some spoke Greek. And the problems begin immediately. Okay? I mean, the leaders of the, of the Greek-speaking Jews begin to say, hey, our widows are being discriminated against. That's not a very nice thing to have happen in a church, is it? I mean, the early church was far from perfect. And so that was an intense charge to be leveled against them. Now, why was, was it, it possibly was a legitimate accusation of discrimination? Maybe they were seen as, well, you just came into town or you're, you're not, you know, you haven't been here as long as the rest of us have. Or it might have been, who knows what was happening there? Luke doesn't really tell us what's happening. Uh, there may have been some language barrier issues going on in there, too. Uh, there could have been all kinds of things that were happening in there, but Luke does not contest the accusation that there was discrimination against them. And so, I mean, widows at that time, they were used to having to kind of fight for themselves. They didn't really have any other options, and so they were used to it. And so they, you know, they put the message up through their leadership that, hey, we're being discriminated against. And the leaders come to the apostles and they make this charge. And it's very interesting. The disciples, without missing, the apostles, without missing a beat, call a business meeting. And they gather them all together and they say, okay, guys, we've got this idea. Okay. And I mean, um, this is what we want you to do. We want you to go find seven men with a great track record, worthy of respect, full of the Holy Spirit 
full of wisdom. Go find those seven guys. Come back. And then uh, we'll put them forth. And we'll see what the Spirit of God has to say to us about this whole thing. So they, they do that. I don't know how long it takes. This nominating process for the very first deacons. I don't have any idea how long that took. didn't seem like it took very long. But these seven are brought to the apostles. The apostles immediately lay their hands upon them. That's a sign of, 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 of authority, dispensing, dispensing authority and approval. And they release them to go run this food program. Now, it's interesting to me. It's, in, it's interesting to me. Several things are there that I want to talk to you a little bit about. But what happens is this. Is, is, you know what? This early church faces all kinds of problems. It faces all kinds of problems. But Luke furthers this whole idea of that these guys with the power of the Spirit handle the problems quickly, as carefully as they can, and the church just keeps moving. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Amen? It's just supposed to keep moving, even when difficulties come. Let me ask you, what can we learn from this whole situation? I'm going to give you a few things. There's a lot more to learn than what I'm going to point out to you. But the very first thing is the obvious is that growth brings problems. Many times, many times people in churches think if our church was only larger, we wouldn't have as many problems. A pastor friend of mine, I'll never forget, a group of pastors were sitting together and he was that time was uh, Pastor Jim Wiggins, Wiggins. He's now deceased in glory. And I'll never forget what he said. He said to a group of pastors, he was on staff at Groton Heights Baptist at the time. He said, more people, more problems. That's what he said. And it's true. It's true. That's not, that's not a demeaning thing. That's just a reality thing. And, and so, I mean, growth doesn't, sometimes we think growth will resolve a church's problems when it actually brings on a whole new set of problems. And you're probably wondering why I'm talking about this in a, in a moment, and I'm going to help you understand that. I mean, it can bring all kinds of challenges and issues, especially when a church becomes multicultural. That's what was happening here. They were all Jews, but they were coming from very radically different under- and cultures and understandings. Some from a very Greek-oriented, you know, culture, and some, of course, from a very Jewish Hebrew. And so now they were coming together. And any time that you have people from different cultures, ethnic backgrounds, different races coming together, there's different sensitivities, that maybe you don't have. I can tell you, for one, you know, I mean, uh, one of the things I do, anytime I go overseas, I try to, I try to understand the culture I'm going into so I don't, there's no full pause. But many years ago now, I, I called up a, a missionary friend of mine. He was, uh, he was a missionary, he, he still is today, on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, the poorest Indian reservation in, in America. And I called him up and I said, hey, uh, what are you doing? I want to come out and work with you for a few days. He said, well, we're hanging sheetrock in a new building. I said, hey, that's cool, man. I, I know how to hang sheetrock. I did that as a kid. I'll come out and help you. So I flew out there, spent a few days out there on this reservation. And uh, we're hanging sheetrock, 12-foot sheets of sheetrock, way up high like this. The walls up in the ceiling, crazy, dangerous. And not one of us was a pro. 
it was the, it was the missionary, and uh, it was also, and his assistant, they were, they were kind of one team, and I was teamed up with one of the tribal members. There's was Sioux there. I was teamed up with him. And we're just clicking along, great rhythm, making stuff is happening, and all of a sudden, the man I'm working with stops talking to me. He will not talk to me. He will not look at me. He will not respond to me. Well, what in the world? I, think, I went to the missionary and said, I don't know what happened. This guy won't talk to me. Somebody could get killed in what we're doing here. Wouldn't talk to me. Finally, I, I, I looked at him and I, and I said, a little frustrated, I said, dude, I need you to grab that and help me with this. He didn't even look at me. I don't understand all the back. I'm just going to say what he said, okay? I'm just going to say exactly what he said. I don't understand all the background of this. He said, my name is, and he gave me his name. My name is this, and I am not a black man. I'm like, what on earth does that mean? I'm like, that's what? I'm baffled. I'm standing in a building, a lot like this one. I'm baffled. It must have been the Holy Spirit who helped me. I looked at him and I said, wait a minute. Wait, stop right there. He was about my age. And I said, wait a minute. The word dude doesn't mean anything. It's just a, a way of, of just greeting. We all talk like that. It means nothing. He goes, oh, like we say, hey, man, out here on the reservation. I said, exactly. Hey, man. That's exactly what it means. Oh, okay. Everything was fine. I thought, great. I'd come all the way to South Dakota and, and create a, a racial incident. Perfect. <laughs> Didn't even know it. I, I wasn't sure if the missionary was sad to see me go or happy. I'm not sure. what. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. Gus. Tremendous, tremendous guy. Serving. He himself is a member of the tribe and, and uh, serving his people with great care and finesse out there in Pine Ridge. And uh, that's a cold place, i got to tell you. Anyway. Anyway. Church begins to grow. Lots of different kinds of people come in. And there's lots of different kinds of issues that can happen. And that's what ha- was happening with the early church. But the growth can bring, can bring a lot of problems. You know, f- you know, frustrations are bound to come intentionally or not. And i got to tell you, that I, I've told you, the Lord has told me what his plan is for this church. Whether that's with me or somebody else, I don't know. But, you know, I, I know this, that as the church grows, there's all kinds of things that can happen. There's all kinds of frustrations that can happen. And you and I are going to have to work together to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Amen? Amen. And it may be uncomfortable at times. You know, that, that's just the way it goes. That's just the way, that's just the way it is. You know, you got married. Okay, now it's just two of you. Then you have a baby. Then you have a second baby. All of a sudden you say, my house isn't big enough. My car's not big enough. You wouldn't trade. You wouldn't say, oh, you know what? We can't afford you, so see ya. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. It's stressful, but you wouldn't trade it. Same way with church growth. Please understand that when that happens, that's, that's, those kinds of things will happen. Okay? But notice the leadership immediately found a way forward. And this is one of the reasons why we have a deacon board here, why you pray for leadership so that they'll have wisdom to deal with. And just about every month, there's some challenging situation on the board agenda that we have to deal with. 
That's why you pray that we have wisdom to know how to, how to deal with all these different kinds of things. It's interesting. They didn't see the complaint as a problem. They didn't launch an investigation. They didn't, um, you know, they didn't deny it. They just realized immediately this is a legitimate issue and we need to deal with it. And they immediately dealt with it. Immediately dealt with it. They laid out a plan. And you know what? There's no record, that, as far as I'm aware of, that the problem increased or anything. It just seemed like it, took care, it was taken care of, and they went on. And they went on. The plan that those guys launched was brilliant. I'm going to tell you some reasons why. The, the, the apostles were careful to make sure that they kept their priorities in check. They said, you know, they could have run that program and they kind of were, but they had to step back from that as the church was growing. And they had to keep their priorities of prayer and of reading the word and teaching the word. They had to keep those priorities and let these other men handle the feeding program. That is extremely important in order for a church to grow and be healthy and effective. I mean... The more, I, I see this all the time with smaller churches. The more a small church, you know, uh, commands, demands, or expects their pastor to handle all the minutia, the more, the more that church remains locked down and in place. Oh, they say, pastor, you're there, you should just mow the lawn. Say that to me. I dare you. <laughs> I've done all that kind of stuff. There's nothing, there's, I don't know if there's anything at Seaport I haven't done. But there are certain things only I can do. And here's the importance of why when you step into ministry and serve around here, every time you do that, you take a little bit of burden off of me. And that's one of the, the role of a deacon is to take burden off of me so I can do the things that I do best. And that's pray and teach the word and lead, you know. And as you do that, as you do that, the church can grow because I have more time to pray. And the Lord's been speaking to me about upping my prayer life dramatically recently. I can't do that without you stepping forward and doing, doing things. And many of you are awesome with this. Awesome. So thank you for that. You know, but I mean, when churches do that, and I see this happen, when, when churches expect the pastor to run everything and be everything, several things happen. The church remains small, it remains ineffective, and often the pastor leaves before he, he or she should. Because it's too much. It's too much. But the leadership here, they were strong enough to step back and say, no, find some guys that are going to run this program so we stay on focused on here. And the church grows. The church grows. People were actively involved in bar resolving the issue. Look at this. They came to the meeting. They listened to the idea. They acted. There's no record of murmuring. There's no record of discontent. There's no, there's, there's no record of somebody saying, yeah, I don't really like that idea. Why did they pick those guys? They shouldn't, they shouldn't have picked that guy. They should have picked me. None of that. None of that. They were together. They were one heart. They were one mind. You know? And these qualified guys, they stepped up. These first deacons, look at how they're described. Respected, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. Deacon means servant. You know that, right? That's what it means. doesn't mean, you know, high-flying church person. It means servant, as does minister servants to the people of God. 
you know. But what does this mean? Well-respected. They had integrity. They had strong moral character. They, I mean, there was, these guys were known to the people. They were respected by them. They had watched them over a period of time or through pressure. And these guys had, had, had earned a respect. The second thing about them was this, that they were full of the Spirit. They had the fruit of the Spirit was in operation in, in their lives. They had the power of the Spirit in ministry. Gifts were operating in their life. There was sensitivity uh, to the leading of the Spirit. The people observed all of these things and said, these guys are full of the Spirit. It was evident to them. They had spent enough time with them. They could see these things. And the third qualification is this. They were full of wisdom. It wasn't just intellectual knowledge. No, it wasn't just practical skill. These guys had spiritual wisdom and insight to be able to manage this feeding program. Well, you ever thought about that? The church goes and finds seven really sharp guys and makes them, puts them in charge of feeding people. Seems kind of funny in some ways, doesn't it? Well, let me tell you a little bit about that. Let me tell you a little bit about that. I think, that. I think the apostles, my opinion only, I think the apostles recognized that this, had, this issue had the power to divide the church and stop it. And they had to move quickly and they had to deal with it. And at the same time, maintain the quality of care that they were being known for and caring for these widows who had no other resources. And they were very, very, they remembered the words of Jesus about caring for the poor. So this was a big priority for them to do this. Okay? Not all the poor. There's never Jesus said the poor are always with you, but the poor in the community. We get requests all the time from people outside of the church for help. And I tell them generally, I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'd love to help you, but I, I just really cannot because I have to care for the people inside the church first. So your resources are not just going indiscriminately to people. And set highly unusual circumstances, you know, because those funds are, are, are given to me, to you, to this church, to be managed to take care of the people here. And we have done that even this week. Even this week. Your benevolence funds have gone to help a family that was in a very difficult position this week. Hallelujah. Isn't that a great thing? It's a, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing, you know. So, I mean, hallelujah. Thank you for being, being generous that way. Look at the qualifications of these men to run a food program. Why? These guys were probably going to have huge sums of money at their disposal, and they were going to have to manage that. They were going to have to manage something that was just exploding. They were going to have to make sure that people were, were adequately and properly cared for, and the, and the, uh, the resources were moved in there. These guys had to be respected men, trusted men. They had to be full of the Spirit. They had to be full of wisdom in order to manage all, all of this. It is interesting that all seven of those men have Greek names. All seven, those are Greek names. The people put forward seven men who could speak Greek, most likely. Look, those guys could move between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Hebrew-speaking, because both parties recognized that these were men that were worthy of respect, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, they had a huge responsibility 
four years ago, when this church, I mean, how would you like to receive a phone call like this? I received a phone call. Guy called me up, basically said, hey, we'd, uh, we'd like to start delivering uh, food to you, 30-pound boxes of food from the United States government, and we'd like to bring it to your church, and you can give it away. And I said, well, what, how, what are we talking about here? A tractor-trailer load full. And we'd like to start Saturday. And I'm like, are you, what? In 45 minutes, in 45 minutes, I'd made a decision to do it, and I'd called Ed and Melissa, and I said, I need you to do this. Will you do it? And for nine weeks, Ed and Melissa coordinated a group of volunteers from this church. Every single Saturday, gave away a tractor-trailer load of food for nine weeks. Nine weeks, 12,000 boxes. And the team that stood out there some days, it was so cold you couldn't stand it. And other days, it was pouring rain. They're standing out there happy as clams, <laughs> praying for people, pouring rain. <laughs> like, I don't know whether they think they're amazing or crazy. I'm not sure which, but they're out there doing it. That took a lot of wisdom. And that's why I asked Ed and Melissa to handle it because I knew they had a passion. I knew they had wisdom. I knew they had the abilities. And I knew that they would do it right. And they did. And they did. The apostles were then able to stay on their priorities. The need was met, but they st- stood back and did what they, only they could do. Our deacons here at Seaport have portfolios of responsibility. Not only do they talk, do we talk through a myriad of, of, of issues and things every, every single week. But sometimes there's some really hard issues. But there's also the responsibilities that they carry out, portfolios of responsibilities that they oversee and that they carry out. And in the process, they take weight off of my shoulder so that I can do what I'm primarily called to do. And that's to pray and minister the word and give leadership and give leadership. What is the result of all of this? Look at this. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted. Look at that. When a church does things God's way, the church grows not only in numbers, but in effectiveness. You see that? Here's the bottom line. It's God's will for Seaport to grow, but to grow and be healthy and be healthy. Sometimes you grow and you're not healthy. You realize that problems will come and they need to be faced and they need to be dealt with. Not swept under the rug, dealt with. All must be, all must work together to find effective solutions. Spiritually mature people must handle key roles. That's very important. And pastors must be focused on prayer, teaching, and equipping. That's what needs to happen. Last night, last night in the prayer room, there was only, I think, three of us in the room and five online. You know, you all can come Saturday night and pray. You know that, right? Okay, get online, whatever. But as we were sitting there praying last night, the Lord spoke to me clearly and told me to end the service this way. And I want you to stand with me right now. I don't want the band to come. We're going to close. This is how we're going to close. The Lord told me to do this, and that is to challenge you. Now, we're not signing up to be deacons. Okay, we've already done that, all right? But today, 
I want to challenge you, if you will arise today, and I'm asking you to make it your prayer. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come and stand across the front. If in your heart, God is calling you, you don't have to come. I mean, I'm not just, I don't expect you to come just to come. But if God is dealing with your heart to, to say, God, I need to be a person that's respected because of the quality of my character, the testimony of my life. I want to be full of your spirit. I want to see the power of the Spirit operating and the fruit of the Spirit operating in my life. I want that to be evident. And I want to have wisdom to be able to lead effectively, to serve effectively, however you call me. That's the challenge that the Lord has for you today, Seaport friends. Will you say, God, help me to grow in my character so that I'm respected. Help me to be full of your Holy Spirit. Not just going to church. I don't have time for that nonsense. And help me to be full of wisdom. If that's, if God is speaking to you, I'm not saying anything about signing up to be a deacon. I'm not saying it. If God is speaking to you about that, come right now, stand across the front. Come on. Most of you should be out here, if not all of you. Come on. Stand across the front. And all you're doing is simply saying, God, today, help me to be a person that's worthy of respect. Help me to be full of your spirit. Help me be full of wisdom. As you're coming, come on. Stand right across the front. Come on. I'm not asking you to sign up to be a leader in the church, and that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you to respond to the challenge today. And just simply say, God, help me to step in and become. For this church to be what God wants it to be. It's going to take more than just a few to be worthy of respect and full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. It's going to take a lot of us. Let's step into that today. Amen? Come on, let's pray together and then we'll sing. And then after we, after we sing, the ministry team will then, I'll release you and the ministry team will come and they'll stand across the front here and pray for you. Whatever needs you might have, you need to meet Jesus, come and meet Jesus. They'll help you do that. need prayer for some particular need, they'll help you with that. Lord, you told me last night to challenge your people to be people worthy of respect by the quality of our lives. When people look at us, God, they respect us because we're the real deal. We're the real deal. Help us be worthy of respect. Help us to be full of your Holy Spirit. Baptize us in your Holy Spirit. God, if we've not been that. God, I pray that we just be full of your Spirit. That God, the power of your Spirit, the fruit of your Spirit, God, sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, operating in that sensitivity and fullness. And God, I'm asking you right now, that God, that you would find us, God, full of wisdom. God, we're able to understand your word and apply it to specific situations. God, with great understanding. Help us to grow in those things, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing this song. Come on, let's just worship the Lord together. And then the ministry team will come. And Hallelujah. Come on, sing this song with me before we go.
Lord, we uh, just saying I'm available. Help us to mean it with all of our hearts. Lay down whatever's necessary. Step into whatever you have. Whatever you have for us is far greater than anything that we have, that's for sure. Anything you cause us to say, to give up, you replace with something so much better. But Lord, help us to be people. You said that to me last night, God. You're challenging people. You're challenging all of us to be people that are worthy of respect. God, may people look at us and see, you know what, they're the real deal. I don't like Christians. I don't believe in that. But they seem to be the real deal. God, help us to be the real deal, worthy of respect in the community of believers and in the world. Lord, help us to be full of your Holy Spirit. Just fill us with your Spirit. God, those that need to be baptized, may they be baptized in your Holy Spirit. God, those of us that need to be refilled, may we be refilled. May we operate in the power and the fruit of your Spirit. Yeah, fire, passion, God, and deep love for people. Help us, Lord, and to be full of wisdom, not foolishness, not immaturity. God, help us to be people that are wise and applying your word to our lives. Give us great wisdom, Lord. And may we use that wisdom to advance your purposes just like those seven men. Thank you, Lord. Just, just take a moment. I'm, gonna, I'm about to dismiss this, but just take a moment. Just simply say, Lord, I'm opening my heart to you. Lord, I'm just opening my heart. I want to I be that person or even that person in greater measure. Lord, I want to be full of your spirit. I want to be full of wisdom. Just fill me with wisdom. Full of your spirit worthy of respect help us to be those kind of men and women in this place thank you Lord dismiss us now in your great grace I pray you can linger you can leave whatever you'd like to do the ministry team is going to come and stand up across the front here they have tags on they'll pray with you about it just go to any one of them they'll pray with you God bless you guys have a great day hallelujah God bless you see you Wednesday night hallelujah You're so welcome.
Just thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord. 